the moment I understood the weakness of my flesh, it disgusted me. I craved the strength and certainty of steel. I aspired to the purity of the blessed machine. Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we are going to be reading a summary of the theology of Origin of Alexandria. And this is going to be coming from the book, The Influence of Greek Ideas and Usages Upon the Christian Church by Edwin Hatch. It is to this phase of the controversy that the ethical theology of origin is relative, in that theology, Stoicism, and Neoplatonism are blended into a complete theodicity, nor has a more logical superstructure ever been reared on the basis of philosophical theism. It is necessary to show the coherence of his view as a whole, and it is advisable in doing so to use chiefly his own words. What follows is extracts from Contra Celsum and from De Principis. There was but one beginning of all things, as there will be but a single end. The diversities of existence which have sprung from a single beginning will be absorbed in a single end. The causes of those diversities lie in the diverse things themselves. They were created absolutely equal. For on the one hand, God had no reason in himself for causing inequalities. And on the other hand, being absolutely impartial, he could not give to one being an advantage which he did not give to another. They were also, by a similar necessity, created with the capacity of being diverse. For spotless purity is of the essence of none save God. In all created beings, it must be accidental, and consequently liable to lapse. The lapse, when it takes place, is voluntary, for being endowed with reason has the power of exercising it, and this power is free. It is excited by external causes, but not coerced by them. For to lay the fault on external causes and put it away from ourselves by declaring that we are like logs or stones, dragged by forces that act upon them from without, is neither true nor reasonable." Every created rational being is thus capable of both good and evil, consequently of praise and blame, consequently also of happiness and misery. Of the former, if it chooses holiness and clings to it, of the latter, if by sloth and negligence it swerves into wickedness and ruin. The lapse, when it has taken place, is not only voluntary, but also various in degree. Some beings, though possessed of free will, never lapsed. They form the order of angels. Some lapsed but slightly, and form, in their varying degrees, the orders of thrones, dominions, princedoms, virtues, powers. Some lapsed lower, but not irrecoverably, and form the race of men. Some lapsed to such a depth of unworthiness and wickedness as to be opposing powers. They are the devil and his angels. In the temporal world which is seen, as well as in the eternal worlds which are unseen, all beings are arranged according to their merits. Their place has been determined by their own conduct. The present inequalities of circumstance and character are thus not wholly explicable within the sphere of the present life. But this world is not only world. Every soul has existence from the beginning, 
It has therefore passed through some worlds already and will pass through others before it reaches the final consummation. It comes into this world strengthened by the victories or weakened by the defeats of its previous life. Its place in this world as a vessel appointed to honor or dishonor is determined by its previous merits or demerits. Its work in this world determines its place in the world which is to follow this. All this takes place with the knowledge and under oversight of God. It is an indication of his ineffable wisdom that the diversities of natures for which created beings are themselves responsible are wrought together in harmony of the world. It is an indication not only of his wisdom but of his goodness that, while no creature is coerced into acting rightly, yet when it lapses it meets with evils and punishments. All punishments are remedial. God calls what are termed evils into existence to convert and purify those whom reason and admonition fail to change. He is thus the great physician of souls. The process of cure, acting as it does simply through free will, takes in some cases an almost illimitable time. For God is long-suffering, and to some souls, as to some bodies, a rapid cure is not beneficial. But in the end, all souls will be thoroughly purged. All that any reasonable soul, cleansed of the dregs of all vices and with every cloud of wickedness completely wiped away, can either feel or understand or think will be holy God. It will no longer either see or contain anything else but God. God will be the mode and measure of its every movement. And so God will be all. Nor will there be any longer any distinction between good and evil, because evil will nowhere exist. For God is all things, and in him no evil inheres. So then, when the end has been brought back to the beginning, that state of things will be restored, which the rational creature had when it had no need to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All sense of wickedness will have been taken away. He who alone is the one good God becomes the soul all, and that not in some souls, but in all. There will be no longer death, nor the sting of death, nor any evil anywhere, but God will be all in all.